Welcome to this second Week in Review episode of our Sourced podcast, a week where the school holidays have hit for September, so much going on. Joining my podcast co-host, Jordan McDonald. Jordan, welcome. Hello, welcome. About three months till Christmas, Jordan. Um, only a I few know. short years ago it would have been you're on school holidays yep. and I'm yep. on school holidays, but... Uh, has a year gone faster than you thought? It has flown by. I was reading an article this morning exactly about Christmas and it was telling people, urging people to start buying presents now if you want them to be shipped here in time. So <laughs> it dawned on me that, God, I've got to start thinking about Christmas presents now. That's right, in September. And i tell you one thing that is interesting is the way that audience engagement post these holidays has changed, I believe, in the last 10 years. So... In my time in newspapers, we always spoke about a drop-off in audience engagement after the Melbourne Cup. So that first Tuesday in November, people got through to that. The the Sunday, Monday and Tuesday papers were big paper sales as people got form guides and so forth. And then there was that festive mood of Melbourne Cup Day and people had a great day. And then it just seemed as though after that, and paper sales reflected this, People would then sort of ease into Christmas. They got to the point of the year, Christmas was within touching distance and their engagement with serious stories dropped off. They weren't as keen to read serious stories. They're looking for things that are a bit more lighthearted. My view was I reckon about 10 years or so ago that changed. Okay. And audiences got to September school holidays, mm-hmm. September, October. Our lives had become so much busier in that time and it was almost like we got to those holidays and went, oh, that break felt good, the weather's getting yeah. warmer. You come back from the school holidays now, and yeah, Melbourne Cup's still good, but already you come back from those holidays and Christmas is not that far away. And because the year's been so busy, this is pre-COVID too, it's, it's actually yeah. the same now. That's it. People now, I think, tend to just back off a bit and therefore the content you put in front of them, the way you try to engage them, to me, is very different in October, November and December um, than it is in, uh, say, you know, the winter months, etc. But how do you feel about that? Is that? Do you feel that sort of workload as you get to this time of year, the weather gets warmer? Yes, yeah, certainly, especially this year and the year before. With COVID in the mix, it's made things very challenging. Um, so by, by about this time every year, a bit of that fatigue starts to set in. Um, and you'd see that in the news as you alluded to and you have to sort of keep the stories a bit lighter. I think there's fatigue in, in the different areas. So about this time, it's when you get the feet up, it's hard to get them back down again. Yeah, and I think it's for anyone trying to engage audiences after these holidays, I think that's something you have to keep in mind because audience mindsets do change. Now, the people who probably have the best insights to that, who can break it down best, are those who are deep into social media and probably one of the stories of the week this week for our week in review was a story from the the wall street journal um entitled the facebook files i know it's something that took your attention jordan talk us through the facebook files it did so the wall street journal published this extensive research they've been doing uh into facebook uh and it revealed uh, revealed some pretty telling things uh two main ones there's a few main ones, but the main one I wanted to focus on was the Facebook and their approach to vaccinating the US, well, Mark Zuckerberg's real drive to vaccinating the US, and how, you know, 
his intentions were to, to try and vaccinate everyone in the US, but instead Facebook's created all this doubt among people. And it seemed there, there seemed to be five key points to that Wall Street Journal's uh, article focused on or its series, and a lot of those had a common thread of things that didn't quite work out as they planned. But tell us more about the vaccination one, because as you said, it didn't work out as Facebook planned, and what did they do about it? Correct. So in mid-March this year, Mark Zuckerberg, he posted to Facebook... And he was very vocal about pushing America to get vaccinated um, as the way out of the pandemic. Uh, And he boasted that he'd already connected more than 2 billion people to authoritative COVID-19 information. Um, But in the weeks prior, a memo had gone around Facebook and they'd been doing some testing of COVID material. And that feedback indicated that just under half of the comments on the COVID material was discouraging people from getting a vaccine. So Mark Zuckerberg, he pushed on anyway. uh, And what ended up happening is it highlighted the gulf between Mark Zuckerberg's aspirations to using Facebook to get America vaccinated uh, and the practical reality of the world's largest social media platform. So essentially the tools that Facebook has and wanted to use to spread positive message the people used to sow doubt and misinformation. This is one of the things I find really interesting about social media and we released um, part two of our podcast this week Mm. in looking at um, sport and sports media, etc. And this week's podcast had three of the key people from uh, the comms teams of the Brisbane Broncos, Brisbane Lions and Brisbane Heat. We we spoke in there about um, virtual reality and something that was thought to be really big and you had to be on board and let's see where it goes. Well, it hasn't really gone that far. This is one thing I'm really interested in because these things in social media, the TikToks that come from nowhere and and take the social media world by storm and then other things that even the experts here on Facebook who were such pioneers, even they have problems getting some things right. So it's a a hit and miss thing, isn't it? But it could have massive implications as this Facebook one has shown. Absolutely. In this instance, it's had a massive implication. There's no other vaccine that's been met with this much commentary, let alone on social media. So it certainly has impacted the way the vaccine amidst the pandemic has been received. In a similar vein, the Wall Street Journal series also looked at something that was a big story at the time in social media back in 2018 time flies when facebook changed its uh, algorithm so that that is the secret source if you like behind the news feed on facebook why you see what you see in your news feed now back in 2018 they changed that obviously driven by a, a lack of engagement they wanted more engagement on the site why else do social media people change things and to do that they lessened the numbers or lessened the things you'd see in your feed from say news outlets etc yeah. and they increased what you would see from friends and family correct so there was news at the time about this being a big blow especially to news outlets that relied on facebook traffic uh, to get their own websites uh, cranked up But funnily enough, this Wall Street Journal piece shows that that didn't have the desired effect. Can you talk us through what that actually found? Yes, so that algorithm change was to try and stop this trend, an emerging trend that Facebook was seeing, which was declining engagement from people on Facebook. Um, So they put it into place, um, and as the Wall Street Journal has revealed, rather than 
create more a more positive space and foster better relationships on Facebook, he actually made it angrier. So, you know, the news publishers or your BuzzFeeds, for example, who uh, were posting, you know, your classic clickbait, meme sort of content, they were suffering. They Suddenly their, their engagement's plummeting. Um, and so what they've done then is start creating more sort of controversial, provocative content. And that sort of provocative content is what's made people angrier. So people are then seeing these things in their feed because their friends or family are That's commenting it. on them. Yep. They're engaging with these uh, things built on outrage and, and getting attention. And so people see them, they then comment themselves. Mm-hmm. And as it said, it made people angrier and feel worse about their whole time on Facebook. It did. It did. Plus, now that you're seeing more from your friends and family, if you disagree on something with a friend or family, you're in the thick of it now. <laughs> Again. Right. Can't escape it. That's another element of the way that things didn't quite work out they, as they thought. But here's the challenge for social media, and it always remains a challenge. I don't care what people say. In that one there, that example, the market found a way. So the publishers worked out that their traffic was dropping to their own uh, websites and, and own traffic. So what they did was they changed what they did, and therefore they were able to get back in front of people on Facebook in ways that Facebook hadn't interpreted. Now, does Facebook change that? Because that gives them more traffic and more business. So are Facebook going to do the charitable thing and drop that so that people feel better about themselves? No way, in my view. I don't think they will either. I think that sort of controversial material, it generates that much engagement. And I think that's a win. That's a win for Facebook and any social media platform. So it's going to be pretty hard. Like incentive-wise, they haven't really got much there to change that. That's right. You appear before US Congress and other lawmakers around the world and you say the right things. But, hey, engagement is engagement. That's That's business. That is the business. That's right. And good luck getting great action on that. Now, speaking of things that didn't turn out as planned... Let's go back to just to the end of last week when Sunrise, the breakfast television show in Australia, Sunrise had something that didn't quite go the way they planned. In an interview, an exclusive interview. world exclusive. Very big. Yeah, the big flop too. (laughs) An interview with uh, Meghan Markle's father. Um, An interview that was pumped up massively Mm. by Sunrise. Watch this. But Jordan, that didn't work out the way that Sunrise planned. It didn't work out planned at all. Uh, they, they were promoting for all week that this be massive world exclusive, but they never saw the numbers. People didn't even bother tuning in. They dropped off into the point where some of the things said by the uh, interview yes. guests were... Yes, they apologise. That's right, the apology. Yes. So it so. backed off. Uh, people backed off. Uh, the Today Show did well on the ratings. Sunrise didn't. This thing for me is something that is is tried and true... You can't force people to like things. You, you just can't. So people are either going to find something really interesting mm-hmm. or they're not. Just because you tell them over and over and over again that something's going to be interesting, that doesn't make a difference. No. They'll work it out themselves. And I know this from working in media for some time, um, the way that things can be promoted to the nth degree to get people engaged. Mm. But we're seeing this even with some really well-known TV shows that over time don't have the same allure they used to. Yeah, Bachelor's a great example of that. That for, for a long time has always been a, a ratings giant for, for the network. But this year it's completely completely suffered. It's seeing its lowest ratings ever. And 
you know, it sort of begs the question, does those old reliable shows like that, do they have a place anymore or are they just, are they done? Yeah, that's a great point. And I guess why if you, you know, sympathise with Sunrise, it's, you know, the the fight to get people to watch free-to-air TV mm. in the advent of uh, the year of streaming and social media and so forth, it's not easy. So you do take risks and try to get things to work. But in the end... Audiences work it out themselves. Audiences are smarter than people give them, uh, some people give them credit for. Uh, it's like a restaurant, I believe, that makes a new dish and tells <laughs> everyone this new dish is going to be superb. You've got to get it. There's posters all around the restaurant to tell yep. you to get this meal. And you know what? It just doesn't taste very good. It doesn't. It's no good. Now, speaking of um, TV shows and things to watch this week... The Emmy Awards were on and actually did better in audience um, okay. breaks in previous years. So th- this was up on, I think, 16% up, the Emmy audience on um, previous years. That's actually years. interesting considering the Oscars had such a tough year. They did, yeah. yeah. So these Emmys went up yeah. in an era where these award shows declined. But there was one really interesting piece that was written after it and that was the fact that the so many TV shows, my goodness. I mean, to even think of looking through those, it's like looking at a buffet these days, a buffet meal with just food everywhere and it becomes overwhelming and you're not hungry anymore. It's a bit like that sometimes with the streaming services. But we had a trend here with the Emmys where a bunch of shows won a stack of awards. Last year it was uh, Shit's Creek that just swept the comedy. This year the drama awards were swept as well. So what's this telling us? It's pretty much telling us that people are struggling to know what to watch. They can't pick. Between Netflix and Amazon Prime and Stan, there's just so much on offer um, and people don't know where to look. So you're often going through your friends. Like for me, for example, I'm only going through friends. So someone who's already sifted through the thick of it and say, yep, that's worth watching. Um, yeah, as you said, like last year, Shit's Creek dominated. This year was very similar too. It sort of indicates that people are just going to their favourites. You know, the Crown took home seven, Queen's Gambit took home two, Halston took home one. But for Netflix, that's ten awards they walk away with. They were the most... Awarded network at the awards. That's it. So the, the crown does really well there, and I just feel for the judges. You probably went, you know what? There's too many shows to watch. Good on your crown <laughs> following Shits Creek last year. But that's a, a bit of a, uh, I guess, a new thing that we're having now. I'm the same as you. I, I don't know what to watch. Yeah. Um, so I do often ask mates of mine, hey, have you seen something good? Because I can't be bothered going through yeah. the. Um, now, as we close for the week in this uh, middle of the school holidays, if people do have some time off, What's a Jordan recommendation? Oh, look, I have watched Queen's Gambit and that did take home two awards, so I can definitely recommend that one. It's a great watch. And I don't watch a whole lot, but I did finish watching The Newsreader on ABC iView, a six-part series set in the 1980s in a commercial TV newsroom. And if you liked commercial television in the 80s <laughs> with its big hair and shoulder pads, uh, and can I just to say, William McInnes... Is outstanding, William McInnes. Love to give it a watch. It's uh, it's not too bad. Until next time, thanks, Jordan. Nice, thanks, Michael.